free. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Talking about crime. We're talking about, the first hour was about the Alex Murdoch t- uh, case that's taken place down in Colleton County, South Carolina. Uh, the opening statements occurred and uh, in the uh, yesterday afternoon, and then the first witnesses were called. They're still on recess, but um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll try to, when things develop, you know, I'm, I'm monitoring and I'm following the the trial, and so uh, you know we'll kind of go over some of this stuff as as warranted. I'm not devoting the whole show to uh, to covering the trial though. Um, so then we talked a little bit about Washington D.C.'s crime reform bills that the council actually overrode the mayor to put into effect, which is going to lower the penalties for all sorts of violent crimes. And um, and by the way, their their murder rates were on the upswing even before the summer of love in 2020 what happened before that was that they started reducing the penalties before 2020 so this kind of coincides with another story i've followed for several years now both in charlotte but also in Asheville. same same dynamic occurring which is local law enforcement refusing to cooperate with ice customs border patrol Right, immigration customs enforcement. They they refuse to uh, to cooperate with ICE in identifying people in the jail who are there and in the country illegally and and maybe wanted by ICE. And the excuse that we always hear from these sheriffs, and there's only a handful of them uh, in the state of North Carolina. I think there's like three, maybe, in the entire state that do this there was well I don't even know if the new one in Raleigh because the other the, the previous one Gerald Baker I believe was his name he got voted out so see in Raleigh uh they in Wake County they know uh how to get rid of their terrible sheriff um apparently Mecklenburgers don't so uh our guy still in there still refusing to cooperate with ICE and uh uses this uh this excuse because he thinks we're all stupid that uh, if you just get a judge to swear out a warrant, then then he'll be perfectly fine to hold that person. You give me a, a, a court paper from a judge that says I have to hold this person until ICE comes and gets him, then I'm happy to do that. Of course, what our sheriff knows and is counting on you not knowing is that the immigration stuff is civil. It's not criminal. So judges won't be issuing those types of criminal detainers. They don't, judges don't do that. A small number of sheriffs, though, have completely stopped cooperating with ICE regarding illegal aliens who have been charged with serious crimes in the state. So, state lawmakers now gaveled back into session. They are in Raleigh, and they're going to try and do something about it again. House Bill 10. It's going to compel sheriffs in North Carolina to communicate with ICE to ascertain the status of any individual in the custody of the sheriff who has been charged with a serious crime and whose citizenship or immigration status cannot be determined. I'll never forget. So I was was a a young cub reporter at the time when Sheriff Jim Pendergraf, Democrat sheriff, and his chief deputy, Chip Bailey, who later became sheriff himself, after that brief little Nick Mackey episode, but whatever, uh, you've got... Jim Pendergraf implementing the 287G program in Mecklenburg County. 
and was so successful at doing so, he retired from his post and went to work for the Bush administration, where he went around the country basically living out of a suitcase for the better part of, I think, two years. And he would go around the country and he would show other sheriffs how to implement the 287G program. And I'll never forget what he said was, you got to know who's in your jail. It seems very simple to me. But you know me, I'm a simple guy, right? Seems very simple. Who's in the jail? Who is this person? Would you allow somebody with a fake ID to be booked into the jail? And when you run their ID, you say, oh, that this is to somebody else that's some in some other state. If I got busted with a fake ID, would you accept my fake ID? Would you accept those papers as legit? Or would you try to figure out who I am? And that's what the 287G program was designed to do, was to find out who is this person that's in the jail. And then we find out, oh, look at that. This person is actually so-and-so. It's Pete Callender. And so therefore, oh, look at that. Pete Callender, he's a, a, a wanted uh, Mexican cartel kingpin. I mean, in another life. So, like, that's that's him. Hey, yeah, we should probably, like, not release him. We should probably alert immigration's, uh, Im- Immigration Customs Enforcement because they want him out of the country. So, this law, HB 10, would compel sheriffs to communicate with ICE to ascertain the status of anybody in the custody of the sheriff who is charged with a serious crime. So that's the thing, too. You have to be charged with a serious crime. This is the second component, which everybody ignores when they're talking about this, when media is reporting on it. You have to be charged with a serious crime. What does that mean? It means you driving down the road, because this is always the horror story that they tell. You're driving down the road. uh, I'm Pete, the illegal uh, immigrant, and I'm driving down the road, and I have a busted taillight or an expired tag, although the sheriff isn't even going to pull you over for that. Although, well, I'm white, so he said he would pull over white people. So, right, non-white. So if I'm Pedro, and I, I would not be pulled over, right? But CMPD said we're still pulling people over, right? But they, they're not arresting people. CMPD doesn't arrest people for non-moving violations, right, for these mechanical failure issues. You, you don't go to jail for a broken taillight. You get a ticket and got to fix it. And if you fix it, and then you get the thing wiped off your record, right? Isn't that how it works? So... You have to be arrested and charged with some sort of serious crime. And then there has to be some sort of a a question about your legal status, right? So there's, there are these different things that have to be checked, right? You got to be in custody. You got to be charged with a serious crime and they have to not be clear on what your legal status is. If the sheriff or holding facility administrator is notified that an immigration detainer has been issued against that individual, then the sheriff or administrator must hold the individual for no less than 48 hours to give ICE an opportunity to assume custody of that individual. So they got 48 hours. And and now what the uh, uh, opponents of this say is that, well, you're keeping them detained and that's violating their civil rights. That is a violation of their rights because you're holding them without a criminal charge. And it's going to open us up to lawsuits. Uh, And by the way, I have no doubt that the leftists are going to sue over this. I have no doubt. 
They sue over everything else. If you don't build in left-wing lawsuits into every uh, bill passage at this point, if you're in North Carolina, you're doing it wrong. You, you, you better be ready for the legal fees. But maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll get some court direction on this. Maybe we'll finally get a ruling that says, oh, you know what? You can actually hold somebody for 48 hours if they're in the country illegally and ICE has to come get them to start running them through a deportation proceeding uh, because they're violent criminals and they've been charged with something, then yes, we absolutely can hold you for 48 hours. Do those rights apply? I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. But there's always this, this, it's always the threat. Oh, we're going to get sued. It's going to cost us money in legal fees and all this. Well, it's going to cost the state now, right? Not Mecklenburg County. And by the way, no other county, have you noticed, has been sued for cooperating with ICE. I wonder why that is. wonder why only Sheriff McFadden is worried about cooperating with ICE leading to a lawsuit against him or against Mecklenburg County. How come none of the other, what, 97 other sheriffs in North Carolina are worried about that, let alone been sued, right? HB 10 also requires annual reports by uh, the holding facilities, which will include pertinent information related to the regularity and outcomes of the requirements stipulated in this legislation. So there's a reporting mechanism so they can make sure that these sheriffs are actually doing what they're told to. And in our case, with our sheriff, you really have to make sure he's doing what he's told to do. Court rulings. This guy, this guy just takes it upon himself to like ignore court rulings. So HB 10's parent legislation was originally filed by the current sponsors in back uh, of the original bill 2019. Uh, there was another bill uh, in 2021 as well, but both of those failed to pass because they got vetoed by my good friend Ray Cooper, the governor, and they did not have the ability to override those vetoes. That bill has now been filed. Third time's a charm. Not sure. We're going to see maybe the House is going to be able to peel off a couple of Democrats on this issue. Will this be the first test? I don't know. We'll find out. But I also note, you know, the lack of reporting about certain key aspects of uh, of this fight, notably, you know, whether a uh, a criminal court can uh, issue detainers or holding orders for people, which they can't. And that's what the sheriff always says. And they always leave that stuff out of the reports. Maybe the media doesn't know it. I don't know. I'm not sure. But it is also the same sort of dynamic is occurring in the fair tax debate. Have you seen this? All righty. So we we got some breaking news. Duddle up, duddle up. I'm, I'm trying to look. I'm, I'm trying to be positive about this because you know me. I'm a positive guy. And, uh, yeah, so, all right. But making bad decisions regarding the Carolina Panthers, that's kind of on brand for the owner. So I, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic. They hired a new head coach. They announced it's Frank Reich, the, the coach that just got fired up in Indianapolis. So we're going to get him. Steve Wilkes, who has been the interim coach ever since they fired Matt Rule, um, he had applied for the job. He got two interviews, and he did not get the gig. Frank Reich is going to be the sixth head coach in Carolina Panthers franchise history, and he is the first coach, according to the team, with an offensive background. 
or, or, well, or actually, or maybe it's an offensive background. I don't know. Uh, but that background, I'm just kidding, as both a player and a coach made him an appealing choice. This is right from the Panthers.com press release here. Um, after a stint in Buffalo as the backup who led the Bills to what was at the time the biggest comeback in NFL history, he then came to Carolina in 1995 as the first starting quarterback in Carolina Panthers franchise history. He also won a Super Bowl ring as offensive coordinator with the Eagles, and that is how you pronounce that position if you're talking about any team in Philadelphia. It's offensive. Uh, in 2017, and he spent the last five years as head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He went 40 wins, 33 losses, and a tie, and so they fired him for that tie. No, I'm kidding. Um, he coached quarterbacks from Peyton Manning to Phillip Rivers to Andrew Luck. He is 61 years old, and uh, he has uh, he has a beard. There you go. So that's Frank Reich, going to be the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Again, I want to be happy about it. I want to be. I mean, I'm sad that Steve Wilkes isn't getting the gig. I like the defensive-minded. I like the uh, or you know approach to football. I prefer it. I like John Fox. I prefer it. But you know that old saying: if you listen to the fans, you'll end up sitting with them. So what do I know? <clears throat> um, I do know this: the fair tax has a prebate, and apparently, I am the only person. In media, as far as I can tell, that knows this. I've read so many stories over the last week about the fair tax legislation in the in the House, uh, especially now over the last couple of days because it's politically expedient for the Democrats. And so, of course, now it's a media narrative. Um, and nobody mentions the cost of living prebate, which addresses the primary criticism of the fair tax. Everybody says the same thing, right? It's a regressive tax. It's going to hurt the poor more than the rich because it's a consumption tax. But the prebate pre-funds, it, it refunds, but it pre-funds, right? It's giving you the money based on the cost of living, what the normal expenditures are for everybody in your statistical area. Everyone in our region would get the same amount of money prebated to offset the sales taxes that you would then be spending on the necessities of life. Food, clothing, I don't know, video games, like all of the necessities, and you would get that sales tax back to you up up front. So what does that mean? It means that people who are at the poverty level, at the poverty line, whatever, they're, you know, they're, they're making $20,000 a year or something, they're going to get that cost of living sales tax revenue even if they don't spend any money on that stuff. It goes, right, they get the money. They're going to get that same amount of money back, so they would essentially pay no tax at all because the refund of the, of the sales tax uh, based on the, the cost of living in that area. So there isn't any tax, actually, on the, the, the lowest income people. And the richest people, they're going to get a check if it's, let's say, the cost of living prebate is like 20 grand a year, they're going to get a check for 20 grand. They're a bajillionaire. They're not going to care. It doesn't matter to them. They're going to still buy stuff, but they're going to get that too. But they, that's all they're going to get. 
They're all, everybody's going to get that same amount. So if you spend less, if you consume less, then you would keep more money, right? Because you get to make that decision. It's not a matter of, hey, I want to uh, make more money and then pay more taxes, right? If you want to see more of something, you lower the tax burden on that thing. And if you want to see less of something, then you ra- increase the tax burden on that thing. And so the, a national, like this was one of the arguments against the flat tax, which, you know, or uh, not flat tax, they, uh, what was the name of it? That was the Steve Forbes one, which was a flat tax, and that's just one rate. Um, but it, it is a similar argument, so that's fine. I'll just do that one. It's same thing with all sales taxes, which is that, you know, the less money you earn, then the uh, the more of a percentage that tax takes out of your pocket as compared to the rest of your income. And rich people, they can afford these things, sort of like hot lanes, right? You can, uh, you know, if you're rich, I can I can pay and get in that uh, less traveled lane. And, and so, yay me, I'm rich, I get a benefit, I get the privilege, right? Poor people are harmed more by regressive sales taxes. So the fair tax accounts for that by giving you the, the prebate of the revenue that you would be spending or the taxes you would be spending for those, co- those standard cost of living. And nobody talks about the prebate. Nobody. And nobody talks about the fact that the 30% sales tax is already embedded in the cost of everything you buy. That's why they came up with the number. The percentage for the sales tax was arrived at because it is what the income tax already drains. It is what the tax burden already is. This way, they said, we, we will adopt this, uh, this tax rate. I thought it was actually like 23%, but now I'm seeing 30%, whatever. And I don't know if that's just you know the opponents of it just raising that figure in order to scare people. But you set that rate at a revenue-neutral level. So this way, the government is not, quote, starved of any revenue. They're going to get their same amount of money. Because could you... It, the reason why they did it is to take this argument off the table of, oh, my gosh, you're going to defund the government. We need all the money. What about Social Security? Right? All of those arguments go away because the, the sales tax revenue from the fair tax funds government at the current level. So now they use the number, oh, my gosh, this is so high, it's so expensive. Okay, it's already being paid through the income tax. It's already embedded in the cost of everything that you buy. Because those companies have to pay taxes on the goods that they sell you, right? They have to pay income taxes. They have to pay their people's taxes and all that. So they just put that into the cost of their product or their service. So you're already paying it. Also, once you adopt this number, then we can all have a national discussion about what the number should be. And that is really what people are afraid of. People who want government to grow, they can mask the spending and the tax burden in all of these different mechanisms. But if we're all having a debate about one number, it becomes pretty clean, doesn't it? Should the number be 25 or 24 or 22? What should the number be? All right, I'll show you some examples of what I'm talking about, this dishonesty in the reporting and from these elected officials. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. By the way, yes, uh, just talking with uh, Bernie and Chris during the break here and uh, about the uh, Frank Reich hire for the Panthers head coach. I do need some clarity here. What kinds of jokes can I make regarding Frank Reich's last name? What's off the table? 
I got, I, I got some ideas. I mean, like branding efforts. You know, like they always do. You know, like they'll put like the players' names like in the at, at the end zone and be like, you know, this is the, you know, the the cat corner or something. You know, whatever they come up with these names for things around around the player names. I forget what you know, Pete's pals, stuff like that. And because um, his last name is Reich. I mean, I just, I'm, I just don't, I don't want to offend, and I also don't want to get canceled. I don't know what would be misconstrued, so you know, I just, I just throw that out there. All right, so this uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, right? He has disavowed a national sales tax, according to the Washington Examiner, called the Fair Tax Act, which he promised Republican rebels in his Congress that he would hold a hearing on. Under the proposal, Congress would abolish the IRS. And replace this is from the Washington Examiner. Okay, they are a right of center publication. Congress would abolish the IRS and replace the federal income tax with a national 30% sales tax. That's it. That's the whole description they offer. No mention of the prebate. McCarthy guaranteed that the measure would get a hearing, but that may not necessarily mean it'll get a vote on the House floor, according to Axios. A growing chorus of Republicans have voiced unease at the legislation. When asked if he backed the measure, McCarthy said no. Democrats have harped on reports that McCarthy pledged consideration for the fair tax with President Joe Biden uh, set to give an economic-focused speech tonight where he will attack Republicans for this idea. And the media will let him. Because McCarthy, apparently, and nobody else in media or on the Republican side know that there is a prebate. Although Republicans have repudiated IRS expansion, a slew of congressmen, including New York Republican Representative Mark Molinaro, Nick LaLota, and Mike Lawler, have also vowed to oppose the legislation. Similar proposals to the Fair Tax Act have floated the political beltway for decades. Critics uh, argue that the measure would be regressive because it is likely to exact a higher burden on lower-income earners who typically dedicate a higher proportion of their income to financing their needs than those higher up in the income louder. Again, no mention of the prebate. So they outline what the critics argue and they offer no response, which the fair tax specifically built into it in order to address this specific issue. Hello, Kevin. Welcome to the program. What's up, Kevin? Thanks for taking my call, Pete. Yeah, sure. One of the things I wanted to tell you why the Democrats don't want this so much is that it will bring to light all the illegal aliens as well. Because don't forget, if these people have to eat, they're going to have to buy things. And as they buy things, they'll be paying that tax as well, where now they're not being captured at all. So you have a whole underground society that's living in this country that are buying things to support whatever they're doing. And those people aren't taxed. So... This would actually capture that whole population, and that makes it very undesirable for Democrats to make it undesirable for people to come into the country illegally. So it's not just um, it's not just an underground economy for, uh, surrounding illegal immigration, which I think is actually one of the ethical problems with allowing illegal immigration to persist as as it has. Uh, you, you have black market economies. You have these terrible abuses that are being inflicted on people that are inside that world, but also. Uh, you have an entire underground economy for all sorts of things, right? There are all so- yeah, so like there, there's all sorts of capture that now occurs 
that otherwise would not. And here's the other thing. Rich folks, they can hire the accountants and the lawyers to skirt and shelter uh, all of these laws and all their money. And so, like, this captures those... um, uh, those transactions in the sales of new things and purchases of new things because this is wh- it's what we're talking about. It's just it's just on new items, new purchases, right? I think it doesn't actually, Pete. Actually, Pete, I don't think people realize that most of the reason why the rich get their tax breaks is because of the tax code. Right. If the tax code disappeared and we simply had a, a sales tax, you want to buy a Learjet? Well, you're going to pay twenty three percent for your Learjet. Right. Right now they get to they get to skirt that because of the tax codes. Get rid of the tax codes, and you're getting rid of all the rich uh, set-asides. Right. Um, I don't know how you'd have all these set-asides for the rich if you didn't have the tax codes. Right. It, right. And it's one of these they, – they never write the, the tax codes to, um, to eliminate the loopholes that they enjoy. Let's say it that way, right? They're never going to do that. And also, the, the lobbyists against this right now, these are people that are employed by uh, – these are CPAs, right? I mean, think about all of the people that work – just for compliance of tax code. And they are their jobs are in jeopardy. Their industry is in jeopardy. All your turbo taxes, your H&R block, like all of that stuff is jeopardized by this legislation. So like this is one of the reasons why you see these kinds of dishonest attacks against the fair tax. But you could turn them into an army of IRS agents to pick up the sales tax. That's true. That's true. Here's the other thing. Oh, I had this other idea uh, uh, presented to me by a uh, colleague, Mike, who said... Um, hey, uh, how about you take the 87,000 uh, IRS agents uh, that we're not going to hire now uh, and uh, maybe put them to work at the National Archives? Because it seems like they need it seems like they need some help. Well, thank over you there. very much. All right, yeah. I, I really enjoy your show, and you're doing a great job of letting people know what's really going on. Thank you, there. sir. I appreciate that, Kevin. Appreciate the call. Good talk with you. Um, you're very kind. Uh, I, I don't know. I just try to have fun. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like. The, the level of dishonesty in the arguments against the fair tax have always been astounding to me. And I guess it's just not been debated in so long that I've forgotten. I went through, I, I tell people, you know, I go to this website called Memorandum. It's an aggregator website. And it just shows you kind of the big stories because they'll lump them together. Um, here, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll go do it right now. I'll check it live. Uh, right, so right now, memorandum. Um, it, top story, U.S. GDP rose 2.9% in the fourth quarter, more than expected, even as recession fears loom. And then it has, uh, uh, like, the first sentence of the article that's there, and it's, got, and it's linked. And then it has discussion. And it has just links to CBS News, The Daily Caller, Chicago Tribune, Washington Examiner, and so if you click on those links, you'll go to those different websites where these discussions or, or reports are being, uh, are being held. And so what you get to see is what are the top stories that this website is aggregating in and, and what publications are discussing them, right? Where are these discussions occurring? So you can look at this and say, oh, okay, this is what's going on in sort of the left-wing echo chamber because there's MSNBC, Daily Kos, whatever. Or this is going on over on the right-wing side, right? Like, you can see that at this website. So the GDP numbers come out. Next up, Barr pressed Durham to find flaws in the Russia investigation. It didn't go well. New story by the, uh, or story by the New York Times. McCarthy may regret kicking Schiff 
off House Intelligence Committee. No. Uh, but that's written by Mark Thiessen. That's a Washington Post piece. Um, but there, there again, another example. Adam Schiff got kicked off because of the lies he told. And, and the way he abused the Intel Committee and his position in it in order to try and take out President Trump, right? That was, that's the problem. Eric Swalwell, the problem is he was stooping a Chinese spy, right? That's the problem. You are compromised. The FBI says you're compromised. So everybody who's just throwing it out there, like, well, what about George Santos? These are different items. It's a House Intel Committee. But you got the Democratic talking point that's gone out, and so the media is going to carry it for them. Here you got John Tester. He's over on MSNBC the other night. He blasted a bill introduced by House Republicans that would eliminate the federal income tax and replace it with a 30% sales tax on most goods and services sold in the U.S. The fair tax would abolish the IRS and with it, the income, payroll, estate and gift taxes. It has 23 Republican co-sponsors. Democrats have had a field day with the proposal. One anti-tax conservative called the bill a, quote, free gift to Democrats. Speaker McCarthy distanced himself from it. And uh, John Tester, Democrat from Montana, said, quote, now we got Republicans in the House that want to put a 30 percent sales tax on everything we buy. That's totally ridiculous. You moron. You are already paying it. Already paying it. And it's not on all items. (laughs) It's on the new stuff. Is it, is it too much to ask to just read the bill? They say read the bill. No one reads the bill. It's not even a very long bill. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Like, you can literally go to congress.gov. Type in H.R. 25, Fair Tax Act of 2021. It's right there. and It gives you a little uh, uh, synopsis, a summary of the bill, if you don't want to read the whole bill. And this one said 23%. There are exemptions from the tax for used and intangible property. So you don't pay it on used items. For property or services purchased for businesses. So if you're a business... I suspect a lot of people are going to have businesses after this, right? Run a lot of stuff through your business. Um, Purchased for export or investment purposes and for state government functions. Under the bill, family members who are lawful U.S. residents receive a monthly sales tax rebate. It's called the Family Consumption Allowance, the FCA, and it's based upon criteria related to family size and poverty guidelines. And then states would administer, collect, and then send off to D.C. the sales tax uh, revenue to the Treasury. Let me get David on. Hello, David. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's up? I was just wondering why why more people weren't for this. I mean, I'm 58 years old, and I still don't understand the damn tax code, you know, <laughs> and all, how to do all this crap. But, but it just would make it so much more simpler, and I, I just wonder how it would affect businesses and senior citizens. So businesses would benefit greatly because if they're not uh, if they're not buying 
uh, or if they're buying something for the business, then you don't pay any sales tax on it. Wow, that's awesome. Right. So, I mean, that because it's just a straight-up business transaction, I think a lot of people would set up businesses after that, which I think would be a good thing if everybody had their own business going, right? Um, but, uh, you know, then you would you may end up with having to do some enforcement mechanism to make sure people aren't washing personal uh, uh, personal purchases through their business, right? So there would right. still have to be some level of auditing, I assume. But... I don't know. I mean, like that, uh, to me, exempting business, I, I I understand why you might want to do it, but I'm also okay with having them pay it, too. Everybody pays it. Yeah. It, it would stop all the cheating. I mean, I would I would have to believe that that would be a big money money maker, actually. Right. The co- Your cost of compliance right now, and every year we, we get these numbers, right, where the amount of money that is spent for tax preparation services and stuff and all the manpower hours devoted to it, it's a drain on the economy. If that, I mean, so you would have the savings right then and there uh, that you're not having to now pay for all of these accountants to do all of this stuff and keep track of all of this stuff. It's just, yeah, it's a simplified, streamlined system. As for the, as for the effect on seniors, what, uh, I guess I don't follow, what's the, what, what would the potential impact be? What do you uh, What are you asking about? Because I like it, it, I assume it would affect everybody the same. Yeah, but uh, with them, them not having any income coming in, yeah, I would think it would affect them more. Well, they well if they haven't. I mean, are you saying they still have social security coming in? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. Well, they wouldn't be taxed on any of their social security, right? They wouldn't be taxed right. on uh, on any income. So yeah, they would right. still be getting. They still have income. They're just now. But they're they're going out and buying goods and services, and they're going to see that twenty three percent sales tax or thirty percent sales tax. However, yeah. they get the rebates, they get the FCA, and that's going to be based on size of the family, but also their poverty level. And so, if all you're living on is Social Security checks, you're getting the full FCA rebate back. So you're not going to pay any sales tax on your standard uh, your things that, you know, your, your necessities of life, right? You're not going to pay any sales tax on that stuff. Right. Okay. Well, what's the argument against this, then? I'd be all for it. Well, that's why I say the arguments against it so far, uh, the ones I've seen being reported are essentially based on ignorance or lies. That's what, I mean, that, that's what I've seen. They just say it was a 30% consumption tax and it's going to hurt the poor. And it says right here, um, tax revenues are to be allocated among the general revenue, the old age and survivors insurance trust fund, the disability insurance trust fund, the hospital insurance trust fund, and the federal supplementary medical insurance trust fund. No funding is authorized for the operations of the IRS. And this bill terminates this national sales tax if the 16th Amendment to the Constitution doesn't get repealed within seven years. So if because, so this way you don't end up with the income tax and the fair tax. you got to repeal the 16th Amendment that, that authorized the income tax and the creation of the IRS. So if that doesn't happen within seven years, then the fair tax goes away. Yeah, that would be a real danger if they kept that as well. Right. So that's why it's part of the, it's part of the, uh, part of the legislation. Because so, that was one of the concerns. People were worried about, well, we implement the fair tax. And we end up in a similar scenario where, like, you know, they uh, where they did with the earned income tax credit, where they started to try to unwind the welfare state by doing the EITC, and this was supposed to replace it, and we ended up with both. <laughs> so, uh, 
and they don't want that to happen. Yeah, that, yeah. So the only arguments I've heard so far against it tend to be born out of ignorance or lies. Wow. Well, thank you very much. Yes, sir. I appreciate the call. Uh, I believe the website is fairtax.org if you are interested in more of the uh, the details. Um, there are exemptions from the tax, uh, right, for used and intangible property. And right, and this would be uh, in lieu of current income taxes, payroll taxes, estate taxes, and gift taxes. Right? So it just makes it clean. And there is a very big lobbying push against it by very powerful tax compliance uh, industry actors and people who get money from them. Right? You got a lot of lawmakers that are funded by these groups, by these companies, because TurboTax, I don't know what they're going to do, right? H&R Block, and I've used TurboTax. Like, I I pay my taxes. I, I use a CPA. I've used CPAs over the years. I've done them myself, and it's ridiculous. Oh, and, and David made a comment, like, you know, about how confusing it all is. He's 50-something, and he doesn't understand it even now. Look, they I've seen uh, tests run where they take the same tax return, file it with the IRS, to get help from the IRS in filing, you know, go over our, our returns, see if we did it right. And they're the different answers for every single IRS agent that they consult. They don't even know their policies. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>